48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Tremblay. The headlines. Financial Secretary Paul Chan dismisses criticism of his latest budget initiatives to help people in need. Legislators have criticized the government's plan to take back 32 hectares of the Fanling Golf Course for housing development. And the White House insists that more meetings, more meetings are possible with North Korea despite the failure of the Trump-Kim summit in Hanoi. Callers to RTHK's special phone-in program on the budget this morning have been voicing dissatisfaction on its failure to improve their lives. The Financial Secretary, Paul Chan, continued to defend his blueprint, which he published on Wednesday. Janet Wong listened in. The Financial Secretary phone-in. It's almost the same story time after time. People want the government to spend more. Here's one caller, Stuart. You know, we have reserves now, you've already mentioned it, 1.1 or more trillion dollars. That seems an awful lot of money to have in reserve when people are below the poverty line or you know, they can't get the health service they want. These are things that if we can see it being spent, that would be great. But the financial secretary, Paul Chan, insists the government has spent enough this time with 73% of the current surplus allocated for different initiatives to help people. He was asked why the government can't spend more to stimulate the economy at a time when it's slowing down. If, as you suggest, to return the whole surplus to the people, the next year's deficit would be in the order of close to $20 billion. In some quarters of the community, they would argue that this may not be a very prudent way of handling our public finance because it is not just next year but going forward and at the moment the situation is not easy but also at the same time we should not be overreacting always the obstacle to buying a home on the public's housing woes mr chan said the government did consider relaxing mortgage requirements for first-time buyers but later decided against it instead he said the government would focus on providing more subsidized housing instead legislators have criticized the government's plan to take back 32 hectares of the fanling golf course for housing development The government's refused to conduct any further study on the remaining 140 hectares, accepting only eight options to create land put forward by a tax force. During a meeting of LegCo's development panel, the Democratic Party's Roy Kwong said officials should either take back the entire site or shouldn't try to please everyone. Legislator Kenneth Lau, who heads the powerful rural body of the Heng Yi Kuk, said the golf course should be preserved as there are many historical buildings and trees. He added that even when the British government built the golf course in 1889, it didn't relocate the graveyards of indigenous villagers. Frankie Yik from the pro-business Liberal Party is also against the idea of taking back part of the golf course for development. If you listen to the uh, pandemic, our legislators keep on saying that uh, the golf is for those uh, rich and powerful people, powerful people in the community, which I don't agree because a lot of my friends, they are, they, they are just uh, normal citizens. They are also playing golf. And it's a kind of sports. So if you are talking about we need more land to build more housing, we have so, so many different choices. Why should we take it back? Development Secretary Michael Wong said it wasn't an easy decision, noting the Fanling Golf Course has made a huge contribution to sports. But he said officials had considered the matter very carefully and they believe that it would help meet the needs of the public. The Transport Secretary, Frank Chan, says the government will retable a non-binding motion on a plan to adjust tolls of the city's three cross-harbour tunnels in the Legislative Council on March the 27th. The motion was recently shelved because of opposition from lawmakers across the political spectrum. 
But in its latest proposal, the government has insisted that it will maintain the original suggested toll adjustments, which involves raising fees for private cars at the Cross Harbor Tunnel and the Eastern Harbor Crossing to $40, while lowering the toll at the Western Harbor Crossing to $50. In a bid to appease lawmakers, Mr. Chan said the extra income generated from the raised fees will go into a fund aimed at improving road safety and creating a smart city. The transport chief also promised to complete a comprehensive review on how to better manage traffic between the three tunnels before 2023, when the franchise of the Western Harbor crossing expires. Mr. Chan was asked if he believes these pledges are enough to change legislators' minds. We need to make our best endeavor to、uh, push the toll rationalization proposal through the legal. It is a scheme that will help smooth、uh, traffic、uh, along the three cross harbor tunnels, and it will benefit all of us. Including particularly those who are taking public transport every day, and also the commercial operations through、uh, cargoes movement and logistic movement, and also taxi and minibuses. So every one of us would be involved, and there's every reason for us to push it、uh, through. Of course, we realize that it's not an easy task, but nonetheless, that's a duty we have to perform. Police have arrested two men on suspicion of conspiracy to defraud. One of them is believed to be Wang Jingit, known as Coin Young Master, for his links to cryptocurrency. He was also the man suspected of throwing banknotes from a building in Samsaipo last year. The pair allegedly made false claims at investment seminars and on social media. The money involved came to more than 2.6 million dollars. One alleged victim claims to have lost 1.1 million dollars as a result of their action. Five million dollars worth of assets belonging to the company linked to the pair have been frozen. Computers and documents have also been seized. The White House has insisted that further meetings could be held between the U.S. and North Korea, despite the failure of a summit between President Trump and Kim Jong Un. The two sides have given differing accounts of why they failed to reach a deal, with the North contradicting Mr. Trump's claim that it demanded the lifting of all sanctions in return for only a partial closure of its nuclear program. The BBC's Jonathan Head has this assessment. It was a hastily organized summit. It was a gamble. The gamble didn't pay off,、uh, and I think more importantly for Mr. Trump. Perhaps two things are positive and a negative. The positive is, despite his desperate eagerness for a deal, he was willing to walk, and that clearly surprised and possibly shocked the North Korean side. On the negative side, Mr. Trump's always said it's his deal-making skills and his、uh, personal rapport with Mr. Kim that enabled him to achieve things that his predecessors couldn't. But neither side is offering any hope of yet another summit anytime soon. We go back to routine diplomacy now. The U.S. State Department is offering a reward of up to one million U.S. dollars for information that leads to Hamza bin Laden, who officials say is emerging as a key leader of the Islamist militant group Al Qaeda. Hamza bin Laden is the son of Osama bin Laden, who ran the jihadist network and approved the devastating 9/11 terror attacks on the U.S. in 2001. The U.S. coordinator for counterterrorism Nathan Sales said Al Qaeda still posed a very serious threat. In recent years, the world's attention, understandably, has been focused on the ISIS threat. Al Qaeda during this period has been relatively quiet, but that is a strategic pause, not a surrender. Make no mistake, Al Qaeda retains both the capability and the intent to hit us. The Indian military has welcomed the announcement that its pilot, captured by Pakistan, will be returned to the country today. But it said India's armed forces were ready to respond to any provocation. The BBC's Anbarasanitirajan reports from Delhi.
There was huge relief in the Indian capital Delhi after Pakistan announced that the captured Indian pilot Abhinandan would be released on Friday. The gesture appeared to be a face-saving move for both countries which were on the brink of a full-blown war. It may not end the latest crisis but will make it difficult for the two governments to escalate tensions once again. Tens of thousands of troops remain positioned on either side of the border in the disputed Kashmir region. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has strongly denied any wrongdoing after the Attorney General announced plans to bring corruption charges against him. Mr Netanyahu dismissed the allegations as a political witch hunt. From Jerusalem, the BBC's Tom Bateman reports. In a 57-page document, Israel's Attorney General laid out a series of claims spanning years, alleging the Prime Minister did favours for powerful friends in return for what was described as a supply line of pink champagne and cigars and for getting better press coverage. Mr Netanyahu hit back in a live TV address in which he also called the decision unprecedented interference ahead of Israeli elections which take place in April. Two men have told the BBC they were abused hundreds of times by the singer Michael Jackson when they were young boys. Wade Robinson, now 36, said Jackson had sexually abused him from the age of seven and had tried to rape him when he was 14. 40-year-old James Safechuck said the abuse started when he was 10. He grooms the children and he grooms the parents as well. So, you know, it's a meticulous sort of build-up for him to be able to do that and um, it takes, takes him a while to build the trust. Michael groomed the world as well. Jackson's family have rejected the accusations, saying there's not one piece of evidence to support them. The electric car maker Tesla has announced the closure of many of its retail shops worldwide as it launches its first mass-market electric car, a version of its Model 3 sedan. In a statement, the company said that to maintain affordability, the car would only be available to order online. More details from the BBC's Dave Lee. Tesla has more than 200 stores across the world, often in high-end, glitzy shopping centres. But as part of its announcement that it would finally be offering its so-called affordable car at $35,000, Tesla said it would be closing most of those stores in order to make ends meet. A small number of particularly well-performing locations would remain, the company said. Tesla also told investors it did not expect to turn a profit during the first quarter of this year. That news sent the firm's shares down in after-hours trading. The price of 35,000 US dollars is equivalent to around 280,000 Hong Kong dollars. The standard Model 3 has a smaller range before recharging of 350 kilometers. Its specifications include a claimed top speed of 140 miles per hour, and the company says it accelerates from 0 to 60 in 5.3 seconds. To currency, U.S. dollar is trading at 111.65 yen, the euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 13 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 40 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,763. That's 124 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $56 billion. Sports, here's Adam Jerm. We start with football news. The English Premier League side Fulham have sacked their manager Claudio Ranieri after just 16 league games in charge. He'll be replaced by Scott Parker for the remaining 10 games. The London club are currently 19th in the league, 10 points from safety. Here's the BBC's Ian Dennis. 
A change in the best interests of everyone, according to Fulham chairman Shahid Khan, and certainly not a surprise. In their statement, Ranieri, they say, isn't solely to blame, but he won only three of his 17 matches in a side that has a porous defence. Scott Parker's immediate aim is to stabilise, grow and rediscover ourselves as a football club. A dose of reality that the owner acknowledges in a statement that it's a full-on hope for them to remain in the top flight. Sergio Ramos of Real Madrid has been handed an extra one-match Champions League suspension for a deliberate yellow card. The BBC's Joe Parsons reports. The Real Madrid captain Sergio Ramos has been given a two-game European ban by UEFA for clearly receiving a yellow card on purpose during Real's Champions League match at Ajax. Ramos was booked for a foul on Casper Dolberg in the 89th minute of Real's 2-1 win in the first leg of their last 16 tie, triggering a one-match suspension. By picking up a suspension at that stage, Ramos reduced the risk of missing a potentially more important match later in the competition, as all bookings are wiped following the quarterfinals. But he'll now also miss the first leg of the quarterfinals should Real qualify. Valencia are through to face Barcelona in the final of the Copa del Rey. A goal from Rodrigo early in the second half gave Valencia a 1-0 win at home to Real Betis in the second leg of their semi-final for a 3-2 aggregate win. Bryce Harper is set to join the Philadelphia Phillies after the two sides agree to the richest deal in baseball history. The contract will pay the All-Star outfielder 330 million US dollars over 13 years. It tops the previous high for a free agent set last week when Manny Machado joined the San Diego Padres for 300 million over 10 years. Harper is 26. He hit 34 homers last season and drove in a career-high 100 runs despite a batting average of just 249. The Phillies are hoping that the addition can change their fortunes. They finished two games below 500 last year for their sixth consecutive season with a losing record. The Orlando Magic rallied in the final three minutes to beat the Golden State Warriors 103-96, handing the NBA champions their fourth loss in six games. Aaron Gordon led Orlando with 22 points and 15 rebounds. Terrence Ross added 16 points. Golden State slipped to second in the Western Conference behind Denver on winning percentage. And that's your look at sports. RTHK's Adam Jang reporting. To end the news, our top story is once again, Financial Secretary Paul Chan dismisses criticism of his latest budget initiatives to help people in need. Legislators have criticized the government's plan to take back 32 hectares of the Fanling Golf Course for housing development. And the White House insists that more meetings are possible with North Korea, despite the failure of the Trump-Kim summit in Hanoi. The news from RTHK.
Shit, I'll be your covers over the world. 